This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, June 5th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. We are seeing the return of something similar to an institution cast aside long ago, debtors' prisons, where the inability to pay fines associated with small crimes means jail time and worse. Walter Olson, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute, evaluates the incentives for the parties involved. We're beginning to hear about uh, people who end up spending, you know, not insignificant times in jail because they're unable to pay fees that they owe the government and these people are often – have been charged with crimes and are unable to pay. Charged with crimes and sometimes with very small crimes. Uh, National Public Radio just did a series on this which is focused attention on it although the abuses have been getting coverage for a few years now. And the stories told by NPR will begin with something like catching a fish out of season or making an illegal left turn, <laughs> things that don't sound as if they would get you very deeply entangled with the criminal justice system. But they carry a fine and if the fine is $150, uh, it might sound like something that even a relatively poor person could handle. Uh, and then the combination of additional penalties for uh, not sending in a check on time or not a, making a court appearance with the a la carte extra expenses that um, – and this is something that um, have really mushroomed in the last 30 years, things like uh, charges for your own arrest warrant or charges for the time you spend in jail on a per diem basis for your room and board. Um, many of these things – will turn that initial very small obligation into thousands of dollars. And so you wind up with originally petty offenses uh, leading to people being completely uh, buried under uh, the snowballing legal obligations. This also happens to people who are in jail. The NPR tells the story of a woman who uh, emerged from jail and she had had problems, I think, with, with drugs in her case. Uh, so she gets out of jail, but she's got a $10,000 debt hanging over her. It's kind of like student debt, except that you haven't had the education. And uh, here she is obligated to pay the 10000 and you know, bankruptcy will not do it because of the way that the rules are set up on that. And what makes it such a treadmill that you can't outrun for, for many people is that the consequences of not making a payment can mean that you have violated your probation so you are subject to arrest again and you're back in the criminal system. You, are, you don't just owe money but you are one step away from being dragged back into the criminal system. You've written about this in, in some slightly different contexts which is the, the attempt to privatize some government services. Yeah. It is easy. Uh, it has been easy for uh, some of us on the libertarian side. It's also been easy for some legislators to take and run with the idea of user fees or restitution or um, people should be paying for the system if they are requiring uh, it, its operation. Uh, and there is certainly a germ of logic within that and yet the germ can grow into something uh, completely different from what it immediately uh, appears. The uh, when the uh, system is set up to incentivize the collection of fees and, and we certainly see this with the problems of asset forfeiture in which uh, again it looks as if 
uh, uh, who could be against helping police budgets. Uh, much of this came in the same way. Uh, the cost of incarceration was skyrocketing when the combination of the war on crime and the war on drugs led to tremendous uh, building of new correctional institutions. Uh, the money had to come from somewhere. Uh, legislators resisted the idea of allocating more money uh, to such an unpopular thing. And so about 30 years ago, Michigan made itself the first state to begin charging uh, a room and board fee, uh, just as if you were at a motel, uh, for the privilege of being in prison. And this has now spread to most states. And uh, category after category, uh, if you remember Gideon v. Rainwright, the right to have a court-appointed lawyer, well, they didn't say it was a right to a free court-appointed lawyer. So now that's part of your charge in more than 40 states. The uh, electronic uh, ankle monitoring or um, alcohol monitoring, uh, which is sometimes uh, a requirement of not being jailed, well, that may be $400 a month, as in one of the cases that uh, NPR cited. And that $400 a month uh, for, you know, affordable enough for many middle-class persons uh, is makes the difference for people who had just been scraping by and had trouble paying their rent in the first place. Uh, and on and on through different categories, the um, uh, drug and alcohol uh, counseling that the court may require may come with a fee. And this is dangerous enough when the fees are all going to the governmental entities because as we know from the asset forfeiture case, they can begin to have their own incentives warped by that toward being more punitive, uh, dragging more people in the system and not letting them out. Um, one of the things that makes this uh, especially dangerous is the role of private entities that are administering parts of the system. And the one that has gotten uh, a lot of focus from journalists uh, is private probation services because companies will be called in to um, take over the probation function to uh, make sure that people are uh, behaving themselves and, and collect the uh, uh, the, the, the fees and so forth. But these companies, as, as has now been shown in a series of uh, uh, journalistic exposés, also have reason sometimes to keep people entangled. And so uh, where a uh, probation officer trying to follow the ideals of the correctional system or the criminal justice system will be faced with someone coming in, well, why are you half an hour late? Well, it's because the bus broke down. Um, might actually turn on the radio to see whether the bus broke down. Um, in the case of a company that gets more money every time it finds a violation, uh, it may simply write up a violation. And the companies have been particularly criticized for so-called tolling. That is uh, part of the penalty for or uh, missing a payment or whatever is to have your probation extended another six months. Well, it becomes something that you just can't drag yourself out of. Uh, the, again, the role of judgment in the system, uh, you want uh, particularly for the gray areas like probation where the, there's a chance of someone coming back to being a fully productive, lawful uh, citizen. Uh, you want there to be the judgment of is the person genuinely trying to beat the system? Uh, are there problems uh, due to their own uh, lack of compliance or is it something else? And judges still have some of that discretion. Sometimes they use it better. Sometimes they use it worse. But uh, in the 
uh, NPR series, uh, there's case after case where, uh, for example, a frequent problem is simply do people get their mail? Uh, there'll be uh, a notice of a court appearance. Uh, many people who are poor have relatively disorganized lives. In, in the case uh, written up, uh, the person bounced. He was 19 years old. He bounced between his parents' house, his grandparents' house, and sometimes other people's house who would put him up. And so he said the, uh, he w simply wasn't there when they sent it to what had been his address before. Um, but missing a court appearance um, can start you down that toboggan. And there is sort of a, a philosophical issue here with respect to if you are found guilty of X, Y, Z, what is your actual debt that – what is your debt to society, right? So nor normally we think of, well, if you go to jail, you are separated from society. That is your debt. It is not – it's our job to pay to keep you out of society because we, however constructed, have decided – these are the rules that we expect everyone to live by. You know, restitution can make a lot of sense when someone has stolen someone else's property. Uh, it begins to mean something more and more abstract when you talk about fishing out of season or, or um, <coughs> making a, a left turn against the signal when no one has been injured. And when it becomes a simple cash source for the government, whether rationalized as supporting the system uh, of justice or just for general revenue, the, it becomes simply an additional penalty. Now, one of the ways in which this distorts our thinking about the legal system is that the press will cover uh, such and such a law as if it has a, a maximum penalty of $500 and people think, oh, well, $500, they, if they can't do the time, they should you shouldn't do the crime, or 30 days or $30 in the old movies. Um, but so people are underestimating the real onerousness of penalties because penalties that can seem small are uh, very large. But they are also packing into the concept of paying back to society uh, things that uh, people often just don't have the means to give. And if you do that, uh, you wind up with more incarceration, and we know that's incredibly expensive. Uh, you may wind up with the public actually uh, paying more in the long run because when one of these cases results in sending someone behind bars again, you know we're paying. So what do we do if we, if we want to respect this idea that we don't want to entangle people unnecessarily in the, the, the justice system, we don't want to incentivize uh, particularly harsh treatment of often poor people and still understand that if you're you know of means that you know if you get fined you you need to pay it it's not an easy question if it were easy we would have come up with better answers before now some of it lies in judicial discretion and some judges complain that the laws their states have enacted uh, make it too automatic for them to have to pile on uh, the cost even when they think they will never be repaid. So more judicial discretion in the direction of mercy would help. Uh, addressing very carefully the incentives, who is getting the money? Are the same people who are getting money making the rules? Uh, you know, should we be doing more ankle braceleting at the behest of lobbying by ankle bracelet firms? <laughs> or, or should we somehow or other try to screen out their message and make a decision more objectively? Uh, <laughs> 
it isn't easy. And of course, some of our friends on the left will say, oh, uh, you know, do away with funds uh, or uh, make them all proportional so that if Bill Gates makes an illegal left turn, he has to pay $300 million. You know, that doesn't make sense either. Uh, we uh, do know that uh, the role of funds in the system used to be much more under control than it is now. And we should look at the ways in which things changed and ask whether it was necessary to change them that way. Walter Olson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at overlawyer.com and cato.org.